Hello and welcome to Emma's podcast. In today's podcast, we have a very interesting person and I just cannot wait to start to talk to. His name is Barry Salzman. And uh, Barry is a senior executive with 30 years of hands-on experience in both public and private global companies. You have held a leadership position for global 100 companies. Now, hi, good afternoon, Barry. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Emma. I'm very, very excited to be here and, and to chat with you as always. Oh, beautiful. So the first question I have is, how did you get it started? Because right now it looks like you have, uh, you know, you're a coach, if I can call you a coach, unless you want to correct me and said no, or do we call you a coach? What are we calling you, actually? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a hybrid between an advisor and, and a coach. I have consulting clients and I have coaching clients. So, so I, I play on both sides of the spectrum. Okay. So what? I, I would like to know your story. How did you get it started? Uh, because, you know, you're at a wonderful position right now in your life with your business. But how did you all get it started and inspire you to do the advisory and the coaching, actually? What inspired you to do that? Yeah, so so two, di- two different questions in terms of how I got started, Emma. So my my background and story is when I was a young kid, my my dad was a CPA, okay, and he had his own accounting practice. So, mm-hmm. so every day, my dad would come home and provide, you know, support to his small business clients. And growing up, you know, through high school, I worked in my dad's office doing miscellaneous bookkeeping and accounting tasks. And I got brainwashed as an early, as a young kid to be an accountant. And then I went to college in New York and. In my junior year in college, I woke up and said, I don't want to be an accountant. I, I want to do something else. And I switched my major to computers. So I ended up focused on computers with a very strong background and experience in finance because of the work that I did as a younger child. So when I got out of college, the first thing I did was I tried to provide technology and automation solutions to my dad's clients, which were all small businesses. So I did that for about, you know, a year. And, you know, here I am a young kid that knew absolutely nothing about anything, um, trying to help these small businesses. And then I landed my first job, Emma, with a company that was looking for someone to come in and help with some technology products. Mm -hmm. And that company got acquired. And we ended up going from $20 million to $2.2 billion in 12 years. And that got me started with my career. So I was working for a great company with great people, being mentored and managed by brilliant people. And over that 12-year period, I learned about technology. I learned about management. I learned about leadership. And my career just just basically was like a rocket ship during those 12 years. So... After 12 years, you didn't want it to, did you felt you outgrown your position in that company or did you felt there were something else bigger out there for you? Yeah. So, so in year 11, the, we were, we were a privately held company in New York. The leadership team, which I was part of, decided to sell the company around 1998, 1999. So, so our company got sold to Siemens out of Germany and Siemens wanted to roll up, you know, our services business into their larger business. 
And at that point, it was time for me to go. We, we, we went through about 20 to 25 acquisitions in 12 years. And mm -hmm. I felt at that point that it was just time for me to take on a new challenge. New team was coming in, new change was occurring. And I got recruited to go to Chicago and move my family. And I figured, hey, what the hell? It's time to take on a new challenge and go move to the Midwest and see if I can continue to advance my career you know, here, which is where I live now. So basically moving your entire, comp uh, your, your entire family to a new state. Okay, so when you're here in Chicago, what did you do? What was your next step? Yeah, so when I came to Chicago, I got brought in to be chief operating officer of a company um, based in Chicago. And because of my experience from the previous company, I had, a, I had a lot of relevant experience in the services business, providing IT services to companies. So I came in to help this company, you know, just, just operationalize and become more effective and efficient. And again, it was a small, it was a smaller, much smaller company. So I ended up getting involved in a business that was a services business, a leasing company, a hardware company. It was a family run business. And I moved to Chicago, you know, really with a two year agreement to come in and to you know, help the company, help the company get to the next level. Okay. So what happened after the two years? So after two years, um, I, I moved on to a division of Deutsche Telekom. Okay. So I got recruited to, so a former employee of mine that worked for me back East called me up one day and said, Hey, Barry, I'm working for this interesting company here in Chicago. I never heard of them. They were a division of Deutsche Telekom and they were looking for somebody to come in and help them with large IT outsourcing deals. And, and, It was, it was like literally right in the middle of my sweet spot. And I'm like, this would be really cool. I never worked for a global company before. I never did any international travel before. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm working for Deutsche Telekom and I'm working on large global outsourcing deals, getting to travel around the world, literally putting together deals, pricing deals, structuring deals, closing deals. So that was, you know, that was, um, that was an incredible experience. So uh, after you did this, were you tired of traveling or did you decide to just said, well, okay, I've, you know, I've done my traveling, I'm done with it, but I would like to do something different or what makes you change? Because you could have stayed there yeah. forever, but what made you change? Yeah. So I think anyone that travels a lot is always tired of traveling. So yes, we're tired of traveling. Um, but what happened, Emma, was literally I was in England giving a presentation to a financial services firm on 9-11. So, so mm -hmm. when 9-11 occurred, I was in England giving a presentation. I ended up flying to Germany from England as part of my normal trip. Mm -hmm. And I got stuck in Europe for a few weeks in Germany. I couldn't come home because yeah. of 9-11. And at that time I had two small boys and I just, it just didn't feel right. It was just, you know, the boys kept saying, when are you coming home? Why don't you fly home? And I'm like, you know, I can't paddle a rowboat across the ocean. I can't get home. Um, yeah. So, so I decided that the international travel was not going to work for me. Um, even yeah. though I loved my job and I loved what I was doing, it didn't work for me personally. And I ended up working for a large technology company based in Colorado. And I got recruited in to run their services business for North America. 
which was again, right in my sweet spot was the services mm-hmm. business. So I, so I transitioned to working for a company based in Colorado, even though I stayed in Chicago as, as my home base. Oh, that's wonderful. So how long did you stay there? I was there for a few years and then I, then I officially got tired of travel. Um, and <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, 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 I literally woke up one morning and I decided that I can't do this anymore. I was traveling probably four to four to eight flights a week all over yeah. the United States. I was managing, you know, close to 1500 people. It was a great job, great business, but my family life was upside down. Um, I was not enjoying, you know, going to the airport, getting in a taxi, going to a hotel. So I decided at that point that I'm no longer going to work for a company. I had, I had three goals, Emma. It was really interesting. I said three things. One, I don't want to travel ever again for business. Okay. Number two, I don't ever want to have an employee ever again. Okay. And number three is I want to do business with people where I live, which was Chicago. That's fair enough. You yep, got yep. So that, that's about 17 years ago, roughly. Um, yeah. That was the defining moment where I said, I'm now ready to go figure out how to do something on my own and take whatever I think I'm good at and try to help companies in my local market. So now, okay, so you're moving now into the unknown because that's what most business owners do is taking the leap of faith and move into the unknown. Yep. So how did you figure out everything to give an idea for people? Because, you know, I'm talking a bit about business breakthrough and it's telling your story. So as others, business owners, how do they got there? So for you, how did you figure out everything? What did you do from uh, where you were to where you are today? What were the first few steps you did? Yeah, great question. So, so what I did, what I did immediately was I started to reach out to people in my network that I had very strong professional relationships with. And I started to ask them, you know, what their thoughts were on some of the services that I thought that I could bring to the market. And, you know, my goal was to try to help smaller companies become more, more profitable, more successful, develop strategies. So I started to talk to people. And what I heard back from my contacts was, there's a huge void in the marketplace in the smaller company space where Smaller companies have the same needs as larger companies, but they don't have the money and they don't have the resources. So the advice that I got from others was if I could take my knowledge and experience and become a fractional person because they can't afford to hire me, but they needed my experience. So I started to market myself as a fractional person to help with very specific business challenges. And I started landing these little projects and, and then all of a sudden, and, I, and Emma, I, I didn't even have a company set up. Like I did, I did the worst thing you could ever do to start a business. I had no company, no name, no website, no marketing, no nothing. But I had a combination of confidence and delusion. That works great. I like that combo, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and behind all this, what I, what I knew was if it didn't work, mm-hmm. I, could always give it, I could always go and get another job but I was so motivated to not ever have to get another job that there was no doubt in my mind that it was going to work. Okay. 
So, uh, so you started, so you connected with people who were, uh, it's, it's great to hear people that gave you great feedbacks because not everybody will give you great feedback. So it's good. You had a network of people who gave you great feedbacks on what you could actually market, uh, about your services. So you're starting to land all of this and starting to work. Uh, what was the biggest challenge at the beginning actually for you when you got it started? Yeah, the, big, the biggest challenge was all of the back office functions you needed a business, right? Just, you know, you have to come up with, you know, you need to have an invoicing strategy and you've got to go collect money, right? You don't get a paycheck anymore. Um, you've got to make sure you've got health benefits to take care of yourself and your family. Um, you know, you've got to go out and set up a company and you need potentially accounting, bookkeeping, legal support. So it was all of the back office functions that people take for granted when they work for a real company because it all gets done for them. You have to do everything yourself. Um, the other thing you realize quickly is the buck stops here. There's, you know, there's nowhere else to go. So you, you are now literally in a 24 by seven situation where I'm here to serve my clients. If they need help, I made myself available all the time for them because I wanted to provide value. Okay. So uh, you said you started to work on small projects. So if people came to you or you, you went to people, uh, companies and businesses, how did you approach that? Because I think one of the biggest things uh, people are facing is how do I approach my customers? If I know my target market, how do I approach them? So how did you do that at the beginning? Were you referred by people or did you just do a cold call or just walk directly to a business? How did you do that? Yeah. So the first thing I did was, again, I, I, I reached out to the people in my network. So anyone that I knew professionally in Chicago, I reached out to, talked to them, got caught up, um, let them know what I was doing. And the, the underlying theme member for everything that I do is it's all about adding value and delivering value to people. So while I was out reaching out to people, hoping to get referrals, my first priority was, how can I help you? What can I do to help you? So I, I literally was talking to five, 10 people a day, catching up, what are you doing? How can I help? And I just started helping people. And then referrals started coming back to me. I also started to spend a lot of time networking. So I, I got involved with different networking groups in Chicago. Um, I joined the Chicagoland Chamber of Commerce. I got involved in one of the committees and I was just trying to expose myself to as many professionals as possible. I did that for a few years. And then after doing that for a few years, all of my business has come from referrals and word of mouth. I don't do, I've never done any cold calling. I've done a lot of outreach on LinkedIn, trying to connect with people and talk to people, but it was really building that, that referral network. Um, and also creating like a, almost like a, an advisory board of professionals. You, my advice to other business owners and entrepreneurs is pick five to six people that you have great relationships with and spend time with them all the time. You know, meet with them on a monthly basis. Don't, don't be afraid to leverage the people that care about you for help. Mm -hmm. I th those are great messages because I think a lot of people don't know that or they don't know how to reach out or they're afraid to reach out. Those are great uh, insight. So now you're in business for quite some time. So what have been your, um, your big wins, if you have any, or some that can bring to mind? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, so the, so the ultimate big win to me is when I could actually make a difference in someone's life. So when I come into a company or if I'm doing coaching, when I hear stories four years later of, you know, hey, Barry, you know, three years ago, you gave me this piece of advice and, you know, now mm-hmm. I'm a big shot at this company. That is incredibly rewarding. Um, so knowing that what you did actually helped people is, is number one. Yep. Um, but one of my biggest wins was early in my business, I started a consulting project for a company and I got brought in to help them with their services business, very small project. And I was working with this company for maybe three, four weeks and they fired the CEO. So, so I got hired to be a consultant. They fired the CEO. The company was owned by a PE firm in San Francisco and I then got appointed to be CEO of the company. So here I am, you know, Mr. Con- Mr. Consultant, never wanting to have employees <laughs> wow. again. And, yes. And they offered me to be CEO of the company. <clears throat> and as much as I didn't want to go back to having a real job again and managing people, it was an incredible opportunity for me. So I accepted the position and the company was probably three to four weeks from going bankrupt. And oh, wow. And I came in and made dramatic changes in the first month, helped the business get to the next level. And then Mm -hmm. nine months later, the company got sold. So my first consulting, big consulting engagement, I became CEO, helped be part of a company sale. And then after nine months, I moved back to being my consulting person again. So that was, that was a, that was a tremendous win and success story for me. Um, you know, the other, the other big win is when you do a really good job helping clients, when, when customers offer you success fees or equity or to be a bigger part of the company, then you know you're doing a good job. That, that's amazing. So do you do speaking engagement to you? Uh, because, you know, you're, you mentioned to me you are doing it in Chicago, but, you know, Chicago is big, but word still spreading outside of Chicago. So... Do you do um, speaking engagement or anything like that? Or do you do consulting out of Chicago? Because I'm sure the word went out yeah. of Chicago to just reach out to you and want your help. Yeah, I've, I've, in the past, I've done, I've done a few speaking engagements for some conferences in different industries. So I've been to, you know, I did a conference twice in um, Salt Lake City for a different industry. Um, I do work with clients that are not in Chicago, uh, particularly today, Emma, with, with Zoom and the way, yeah. the way we do business today, I can help. It doesn't matter where you are. Um, I don't look for any business outside of Chicago and I have no interest in, tra- in traveling outside of Chicago because Chicago is such a, a big market. Um, but in Chicago, I do a lot of speaking engagements. I do a lot of teaching. Um, I do a lot of volunteer work and, you know, if somebody needs somebody to come in and give a presentation for a local chamber or, or a networking group, I love doing that. It, you know, I don't get paid to do it, but it's fun to share what I know. It's fun to add value. And mm-hmm. it's obviously helping me market myself. So did you ever thought to maybe write a book about your experience for people to know? Because 
the series I'm doing is based on stories because I'm hearing a lot of stories from different business owners and I wanted to start the that um, series and I did a few months ago because I felt there is a need. It's nice to have books, but it's nice to hear the stories because the younger generation, and I don't know if you work with business with younger generations, it seems like they don't have the full understanding on... Um, how the business run? Because I think with social media, things look so instant. It's like, oh my God, it's already done. And it's like, no, it's not. And for a lot of people, they're assuming um, that, oh, well, I'm going to be a billionaire by tomorrow morning after my breakfast because I have an idea and poof, poof, it's going to appear on the front of me. And it's like, well, for all of the business owners that I know, it requires rolling up our sleeves and starting to work and really be challenged by what's coming our ways. But have you ever encountered individuals who really don't have a full understanding or grasp that, yes, you can have your business, but you're going to have to work to get at it and get it done? Yeah, I, I do a lot of coaching with, with younger professionals. Mm-hmm. And it's always fun when I ask them, you know, what are your, what are your career goals and ambitions? And they're like, I want to be a leader. And I'm like, okay, a leader of what? Like, like you have to be good at something to be a leader. So yeah, I spend a lot of time, you know, it's, it's kind of like that picture of the iceberg. You only see the top piece, but what's on the bottom is all that hard work and, you know, the battle scars we have. Um, yes. Yeah. And in today's world with social media and instant gratification, it, you know, people think you could just, you know, put up your shingle and be a millionaire. It doesn't, you know, doesn't quite work that way. No, now I have a question. I have a couple of questions now that comes into mind. First, when you said that, you know, your your dad and everybody who has a business expect their children to take over or hope they will take over as a legacy. Now, when you went and changed your um the path of being in finance and CPA to computer, how was your dad? What was the direction of your dad? I'm curious to know. It didn't, it didn't go very well. Em. it was, it was, um, yeah, it didn't, it didn't go very well. Um, he couldn't understand why I would do that. And back in those days, you know, with, when I graduated college in 1983, a long time ago, the computer industry was a little bit different than it is today. There was no, oh, yeah. there, there was no personal computer. There was no internet. Yep. There was no cell phone. Yep. It was all mini computers, mainframes, um, yep. took two years to develop an application. So I, I joined an industry that was unheard of to him. So it, yeah. it, it didn't go over very well. Uh, but I was a junior in college and I was mindful enough to know that this is my life and I don't want to be an accountant and, you know, he'll, he'll get over it. And eventually he did. It took him, took him like six months, but he was, he was not happy. But now looking at you today, I'm sure your dad must be very proud and just said, my son, make the right choice who is the life you had and what you have accomplished. I'm sure he's supportive of what you have done. Yeah, yeah you certainly hope so, right? Well, I hope so, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're doing very well. You're doing good and you're doing something that you really love and enjoy. So I would assume so. It would be, you know. Even though it may be not in his deep in his heart, then you took over the family business, but you have done something else for your own self as your own business. So even though it wasn't the business, ideal business he wanted to, you still have done what your dad has done, become an entrepreneur and done something for your own self. And I'm sure 
pass down that genetics to your children as well, who might become as well entrepreneurs. They may be not going to take over your legacy, but going to do something else as well. Because I believe that when a parent is an entrepreneur, it gives a better and wider range for the children as well to become one because they see their parents and do and see more things than if you were working uh, a corporate job, eight to five, you know, nine to five job, quote unquote, give them a wider range of what they can do. Yeah, no, yeah, you bring up a good point, Emma. So both of my boys saw me traveling all the time, you know, wearing suits all the time, coming home late, and they both, they both ended up becoming musicians. Um, and they're both in the marketing world right now. So my oldest son is an entrepreneur living in Thailand that's doing a lot of work in the crypto space. And my youngest son is working for Etsy in a marketing position and very entrepreneurial. So yeah, they, they, they picked up on that. And, and my goal for them was I just wanted them to be happy and do what they want. I wasn't, I wasn't going to try to force them into what I do. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that worked out really well for me also. I think so too. And I, that's, that's the advantage. I think when we're uh, people are entrepreneurs to be able to children to do the same thing. I think it's harder when, uh, parents are not entrepreneurs and the child want to do their own thing that they might be stopped along the way to do something they don't like it or they will go and like we say break free and parents said he's crazy or she's crazy and at the end of the day they are not they just <laughs> want to be their own entrepreneurs and have their own path now what would you say to your youngest self today that maybe at the beginning you were not you know it's kind of scary to go into the unknown but what would you say to your younger self today? To continue to expand my knowledge and learn more about different things. Like, so, you know, I, I read a lot. I, you know, I study what I'm good at a lot, but to expand yourself, to learn, you know, to learn and read about things that are maybe not in your core competency because the world is so big and there's so many other things that we could be doing. It just expands your horizon. The second thing, Emma, is is to build a network, right? So when, when, when I'm working with younger professionals, I focus on two things, continued learning and building your network. When I was younger, I was working for bigger companies. I wasn't building a network. I, was, I knew all the people that worked in my company, but I didn't know all the people that were outside of my company. So you know, building out a network and just learning more about different things you know, could have, could have accelerated things for me. Now, keep in mind, LinkedIn didn't exist then, right? So when I was younger, nope. um, the internet didn't exist, right? Nope. Um, so, but I, I kind of stayed within my company and I, I didn't expand outside of the company that I was working for. And I was also afraid, right? When, you, when, when you're younger, it's not like today. I was afraid to go home at 4.55 on Friday because I thought I'd get fired. Now, people don't even want to come to work and they want to be on Zoom. It's a total different world. Yes, it is. Yes, I think we're adapting and we're changing to a different way of doing business, the old days versus the uh, where we are right now. Actually, I'm just glad. And there's always one thing that I say, I'm glad there were no phones or recording at the time where I grew up because I would have been in a lot of trouble. So at least we got that in our year and my generation. At least we can say, thank God there were nothing to record what we did. So we saw the evolution of where we were in the 80s to where we are today, which is a totally different spectrum. And I think we have grown and adapt to where we are. But uh, with your knowledge, um, 
Are you going to pass it on to somebody else's? Because one of the questions I ask people right now is you have so much knowledge and it's all in your head, most of it. So what are you going to do with it? Are you going to pass it on to somebody? Are you going to leave a legacy behind so people can um, know about it? What is your what is your thought on that? Yeah, so my, my goal at this point in my career is, you know, I'd like to be working with a small number of clients playing a significant role. So, you know, I'd want to pick a few clients where I can kind of go deep and wide in and really help them and be part of helping them get to the next level. Um, 10 years ago, I might've had 20 projects going on at one time, but today it's more, it's, it's less clients doing more things for less clients. And I, and I, I enjoy that more where I get to, you know, build relationships with the people that are working in the company and, and, you know, be, you know, just have a significant role as a fractional person. Um, I really, I really enjoy that. In terms of what I do, you asked about writing a book. Um, I've yeah. thought about that for many, many years to, you know, you know, capture some stories and share it. You know, also maybe put together um, a methodology that could be used because I have there is a me- there is a method to the madness. Um, yes. You know, trying to trying to do that and and so long term goal would be small small number of customers mm-hmm. being on some boards and then providing some. Um, I do a lot of teaching for, there's a local, um, it's a business. I mean, it's, it's part of a university, but I, I, teach, I teach classes as part of an owner to CEO program. So I come in and I work with small businesses. Um, so I, I, you know, I could see myself continuing to do that for as long as I can, just to keep myself sharp. And again, I enjoy working with these small companies. It's fun when you could make a difference to a company that's really small. Oh, absolutely. Because they need a lot of help. Uh, bigger companies, it's a different story. But when you're a small entrepreneurs, a lot of them are wearing different hats, but don't have, like I call it, a PhD in marketing, don't have know how to run operations. They know their product, they know their services, but the struggle is, is how to make everything run. Like you need an accounting or they become accountant and they don't know what's, you know, you have to know the rules. You have to know the changes with the IRS. It's a very conversant process. And if you don't have the right foundation, then they are very thin ice. The company wants to grow, but they don't have the right resources. So it makes it harder for them to be able to move to the next level or even be performance on what they got right now. So I think it's one of the biggest challenges I've seen in smaller companies or startup. It's how to set up your, your base, your foundation. Yeah. So it's interesting you say that, Emma. So this program that I teach in, the owner to CEO program, it's a 12-week program for small businesses. And every week it's a different topic. So strategy, finance, HR, sales, marketing, digital. And every topic is taught by a different teacher. And and the business owners go through a Tuesday, Thursday night class. And the goal is over a 12-week period is to just give them a little bit more knowledge in all 12 of these topics. And then when the program's over, the students are able to do one-on-one mentoring with some of the teachers. So, so for me, it's fun. I, I teach the digital class. I teach the marketing class. I teach the sales class. And when I'm done teaching the class, I get to do one-on-one mentoring with the small businesses. And they're all, they're all different. You know, it could be a coffee mm-hmm. shop. It could be a, um, a streetwear company, a marketing company. And so the best way for, 
if, if somebody wants to get into business, it's find find mentors in the different topics that you need help with. Yes, because when I signed my company and I, I still uh, I'm still smiling about it. Um, the Chamber of Commerce actually sent me a book. And when I opened the first page, I'm like, what? It's basically <laughs> a very thick book. And it's not that was said for, unless you get a PhD at the end of the day, it is not very user-friendly. It's yeah. very difficult to dissect what they're talking about because it doesn't make any sense. And it's not for... They did not move the down to basically the regular people, quote unquote, or, you know, the brand new business owners that makes it um, understanding. It's very technical, too technical yeah. at some point that it's not well versed for everybody to reading it. And it, after one page or two page, you just, whoops, close the book and be done with it. So it's, it was very difficult when, um, you know, you're looking at it and you're a brand new owner and you're like, oh, I don't understand what is going on here, but I would not want to, you know, I'm starting my business, but it's not explanatory on everything that I need. And that's yeah. the lack of it, the lack of understanding. So, yeah. so, so Emma, the other, another thing for small business owners is, and this, this exists across the entire United States. Mm -hmm. In the local counties, they have what they call SBDCs, Small Business Development Centers. Mm -hmm. So if you're, a, if you're a small business in Chicago, you can go to the local SBDC and they have free resources that'll help you. So mentors and coaches and guides that will work with you for free to help you with your business needs, all funded by the state and the feds. So if there's anybody out there that's listening and they're a small business owner and they're just, they're just stuck, they're frustrated, they don't know where to go. Exactly. Look up, look, look up the SBDC in your local county and they have, they have different advisors there. And literally these advisors, their job is to work with local businesses to help them. And it's free. It's, and, it, and all of the SBDCs are affiliated with local colleges and you get access to all the resources that exist through the college. So databases and tools and techniques. And, um, you know, what's interesting is there's a lot of really great resources out there that can help you that don't cost any money for a business owner. And you, and the problem is, is nobody's aware of yep, that's, yep. that's the main issue right here is this is why I like to talk with other, uh, business owners, because you got some insight that I just learned it today, SPDC. I had no idea that existed, to be honest yeah. with you. When I signed my business, nope, I didn't yep. know. And I was already doing my own thing. But for people who need the resources and don't have the network or, you know, when you're just a startup, if you don't have the fundings behind you, then you're going to need some help. And if the SPDC, like you said, you go to your uh, local county and search it, Google it, yep. then you will have the resources. But this is news to me right here. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. You know what I mean? That's why I love to have conversation with everybody because I'm like, okay, there is some insight that people don't know. And this is yep. a big one right here. Yep. So here, here, here's another big one that most people don't know about. In, in all the counties around the United States, there's money available for training. So one of, one of the things I do um, here in, the in my local area is I'm on the board 
in a, in a, in a county called DuPage County. Okay. And I'm part of a program where there's literally, literally millions of dollars available to give to local businesses for training. So if you own a business and you want to train your employees on like they have technical training, there's healthcare training, there's manufacturer training. Um, and a small business can apply for a grant and you can get up to $25,000, of money to train your employees with no strings attached. The only caveat is you've got to complete the training, mm -hmm. produce the certificate that you completed the training mm -hmm. and they give you back your money. So one of my clients here in Chicago, we're on our second grant right now because, hey, if the government's willing to give money, the client takes the money, trains their people yep. with, no, with no strings attached. And Emma, nobody knows about this. Like no, like, and that's why millions of dollars, millions of dollars are available to train people. And if someone's out of work and they want to develop new skills, money's available for out of work people that want to learn new things so that they can become employed in the marketplace. Um, so that's another thing you could speak to the local county about is find out about it's called workforce development. So there's workforce mm -hmm. development dollars available all over the United States. And a lot of people are not aware of. So those are the kind of programs that can help uh, out-of-work people and companies as well. And to me, it's like there is millions of dollars in grants that people are not aware of. They don't know how to complete grants because, again, you have to, uh, to really break down some of the stuff you want to do with your employees or what kind of grants you want. But if people will take the time to learn a little bit more about then that will give the fundings they need to continue to excel and move their company up to the next level. But again, nobody talks about it. And it becomes, you know, it's sad in one way to do not see those resources. Or it feels like it's like the SBA when they started to give their loan to help companies um, and they closed that in what, at the end of December. And it was a dance to get those grants, to get that money, to get those loans. Yeah. Because it feels like, oh, they got billions of dollars, but they don't even give it away. Or it was very, very hard to get it. It's like they make it nearly impossible. It's like, this is money for business owners. Why would you not give it out as easily? And it was just terrible to get through the process. And I'm like, come on, what is wrong with you? And they will reject you for six months for no reason. And you continue to apply and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, you're in now. I'm like, really? After six months? But it feels like we, there is money available, but it doesn't want the people to know about it. And I'm like, come on. If the money is available for business owners or people out of work, then it should be made available. I understand there is cameras everywhere, but do you do diligence when you do your grants and stuff like that? Just make it available or known for business owners to know there is money out there. Yeah, yeah. And a third, a third one would be, here's another one. These, these local counties, at least here they do this, is they run these programs for interns. So, okay. so, so here in, in my local county, I'm able to get an intern to go work for a client of mine for free. The county pays for the intern, my client gets the intern, it's a win-win situation. So the client 
gets a resource to come in and do some work. The individual gets some experience for call it two to three months. It gets paid for by the county. So the government is actually paying for this. And it it accomplishes two things. Number one, you can get some work done. Yes. Number number two, you could see if this particular intern would be good for full-time hire. So I always recommend to my clients to get a, like a marketing intern, you know, get somebody in to do some marketing for two to three months paid for by the local county. So for those, you know, for those entrepreneurs out there listening, you know, go spend some time, go visit the local counties, you know, as much as we, as much as we have a negative connotation about government, which most of us do, unfortunately, um, there are resources available and they're typically attached to the local um, community college. So if there's a community college in your neighborhood, that's usually where these SBDCs are connected. They're not the big universities, they're connected to the um, community college. So I've, I've taken advantage of working with them and it's been extremely valuable for more for my clients than for me, but that's part of the value that I add is if I can help a client get $50,000 worth of free training, kind of makes that's me look good. It. Makes me look good, right? Well, not only this, but this is worth it for the client as well. It's it's look good for you because you provide so, such an insight and you're helping the company and you it's kind of giving back because you're helping the company and um, the employees in the same time so they can continue to um, to continue to expand their skill sets and becoming better at what they are supposed to do. Same with the internship. The internship, you can start to train an employee who's going to school as an intern. And at the end, you could have an employee at when the, the person passed their diploma where they are with their studies or come back every summer as an intern. So I think you're training a future employee as well. Exactly. Yep, yep, it's yep. a win-win situation. It's a win-win situation. And at least you can test if the person is, you know, I don't know if you ever experienced in the past or you were involved on hiring individuals for companies, but it's always a gamble when you hire somebody because you never know if you're capable to read them, then you know if they're going to be staying or not. If you're not capable to read them, then you can train somebody, lost a lot of money and expectation on someone to be trained and that person will leave you in three months because this is not what they wanted to do or they took the job because it was a job to take. Yeah, but yeah. you're going to, you know, I don't know if you ever encountered that situation. So I think an intern is helpful to see how you feel about the person. And if that person is interested at the end of the day, when they're done with their internship, if they really like it or not, it gives them a, a test of what it is as well. Yeah. So, you, so it's interesting, Emma, you bring that up. So one of the things that I do in my business is I, I, I spend a lot of time using different behavior and personality assessment tools. So mm-hmm. when I'm working with clients and I'm helping clients hire people, um, what we do is we run these assessment tools and what it does, it gives us a better understanding of the people we're bringing on to see if they're a good fit for the culture of the company. Cause somebody might have the, the best skill set, but they don't have the right personality that matches the, the client. So for the last 10 years, I've, I made the commitment to get certified in a variety of different tools. So I use these tools all the time. And not that the tool is going to be perfect, but the tool could help prevent you from making a bad hiring decision on a person. Because if I, if I could read about your personality and understand you better, I, I'll know whether you'll be a good fit for that culture or not. 
Yes, because not everybody fits for any companies as well. Um, so that's why. But it's very interesting you're doing this because I think it's necessary to understand that it's a lot of money when you put in an employee or somebody coming on board. And I don't think people realize that it takes time and money to train somebody. And you want the person and you're hoping that person will stay at least five years. So I don't want to say you get your money back, but at least you are training somebody and you don't have to worry for the next five years, then they can do and perform the job and hopefully stay within the company and uh, maybe grow into a different roles as well. So when you're working with companies um, and they hire people, do they have the understanding that, you know, if they hire somebody for a role, maybe down the road, that person might be evolving and move to another position? Or are they have the understanding, and it depends which business as well, but I'm not talking a, a pastry or a restaurant, but I'm talking mostly um, into the services world or technology or something like that uh, is people understand when you work with them that if they hire a person, there is um, a part of it that you need to continue to challenge the employees so they don't get bored or they don't overgrown their position. Yeah. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time in the tech world. So when we hire the t- these employees, the employees want to know what their career path is, you know, mm-hmm. what's the opportunity for them. So as we're, as we're considering people for hire, we want to make sure that the, the people have the ability to grow and expand and move to higher levels. Every once in a while, you'll, you know, you'll interview someone and they're just happy staying in the same job for the rest of their life. And that's okay. okay. Um, as long, as long as we know that going in, but you know, what I'm experiencing now with the younger generation in the tech industry is <laughs> they they want to go from startup to CEO in three weeks. So they want career. Yeah. Career. yeah so, you know, <laughs> They want they want the rocket ship, but you know yes. we've got to, we've got to spend time with them and explain that you know if you want to get to that next level, you've got to gain some competency and experience. You know you don't just want to get promoted for the sake of the title. You actually have to learn. And I think uh, a lot of people, even in the older generation that I've seen, uh, people wanted their title because they wanted their titles. But I think the younger generation, yes, they're expecting this to be done in 15 minutes. And I always use the drive-through. And I said, no, it's not like going to the drive-through. You don't order, you don't pay, and you don't get it right away. That This is not how it works. But I think they have the assumption to do that. So when you're explaining that to them, what are they saying? Or what is the most recurring things they're saying when you're explaining that's not how it works? What would they say? Yeah, I mean, when, when I'm interviewing them, I'm always asking them, you know, what, you know, what are your career goals? You know, where do you want to grow to? You know, when, when do you want to get there? And if I'm interviewing someone and they tell me they want to go from entry level to VP in six weeks, I'm not going to hire them because they'll never be satisfied. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the ones that we hire, we explain to them that, look, you know, our expectation is you'll be in this job for a year, two years. These are the skills that these are the skills that we're going to help you learn. These are the skills you've got to learn on your own because it's a two way street. The company is not solely responsible for developing these people. Yeah. If the people don't want to learn on their own, it's just going to inhibit their growth. And you just explain to them that, you know, this is what it's going to take to get to the next level. And if they see that you're committed and there's a path there, they might come on board. A lot of companies don't have clear career paths no. and people get very frustrated and they leave because they want to, they you know, not only do they want to make more money, but they want to grow 
mm-hmm. in their skills. Exactly. And this is what we encounter. And even if they do a career path, don't you think it's a little, well, it depends on the size of the company because it could be risky to give a career path to someone and things are changing and evolving so much in the industries, any industries right now, that maybe that career path could be obsolete in less than two years or three years. Yeah. And so in some, you know, in some companies, some of these jobs, some of these jobs get eliminated by automation. Yes. Yeah. So, but that's very interesting to um, to see how the younger generation are thinking compared to what we are thinking. <laughs> it's very interesting yeah. to see that. And we, and we get we see a lot of people that come from larger companies that have been you know transitioned out or laid off. Mm-hmm. Really smart people, great experience, and they want to come work for these smaller companies. They're wonderful employees because they've got tremendous maturity and experience. They're at a different point in their life. And they just want to, you know, they just want to work for a good company and have good benefits. And, you know, so, so, I, you know, to me, you know, I, I, I like to find a blend. I want to find a blend of personality traits. I want to find a blend of different experience levels. It just creates, it creates a more healthy culture when you have a little bit of everything. More diversity is obviously great. Um, and it's just a much, it's just a much healthier company when you've got everybody being a little bit different versus everybody being exactly the same. You don't want exactly the same because generally that will work for five minutes. It's better to have, I think, uh, more of a mixed. uh, And that brings, I think, the best out of the company. Because if we're all the same, there is no point to it. Yeah, I go into into some small companies and I'll say to the business owner, say, you know, I've, I've met all your people. I find this interesting. You know, you have no women. What's going on? Right. You know, we need we need diversity here. We need different people, different thoughts, different perspectives. And, you know, it's it's a challenge. Right. But there's a lot of legacy behavior that's going on. But what I find with the younger generation um, love the diversity. They love the training. They love the mentoring like these these young these younger folks. They're really interested in learning and, you know, and giving them a buddy or a mentor means Mm -hmm. a lot to them. They want to be heard. Right. Yes. They and, want to be seen and heard. Yes. Yeah. So you just, you know, bring them in and ask them their opinion. And um, when it's done right, it's really rewarding because you could see the younger generation gets really excited and then they tell all their friends and you got more people to hire. But if you stick them in the corner and you don't involve them, then they're going to leave. Yes, absolutely. And you can miss great employees when you do this. But it's a question of being able to be heard and sit around the table. Even if you're, you, are, you don't have the experience that some of the variant has, it's just being able to communicate and open and put ideas on the table that maybe sound silly, but maybe there's something in that idea that we're going to pick and take and use it for a project. So for me, it's like being open to everybody to speak up and see what can come out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, that's wonderful. So do you have any other insights you would like to share with everybody? Um, I mean, just experimentation, right? Just keep trying stuff, right? Figure out what works, figure out what doesn't work. You know, don't, don't, don't think like you're in a box. Like the, the, there's, there's infinite possibilities in the universe, right? If you, if you could take a step back mm-hmm. and just say, you know, there's got to be another way. There's got to be a better way. Talk to people, do some research. You know, there's so many smart people out there. There's so many great resources out there. Just Googling something and 
listening to a podcast, watching a YouTube video. You know, every time I listen to like Simon Sinek or Gary Vaynerchuk or some other thought leader, every time I listen to them, it just, it expands my thinking. It helps me solve problems. Um, just get out of your head. Just get out of your I head. Yeah. I like that. Get out of your head. That should be the <laughs> that should be the motto for everybody. Everybody should have that on their desk or on the wall facing their desk and get out of your head. I think it's it's wonderful. So what are your next projects um, coming up? So I've got a few clients right now where I'm playing the role of COO. So it's really, you know, it's digging in and helping these companies grow and continue to evolve. You know, because because they're in the tech professional services world, it changes all the time. So it's exciting. Um, I'm continuing to build my coaching practice. I've got about 35 coaching clients right now, and I'm always looking to expand that. And I, you know, I, people at all different levels, all different types of people. And it's, it's a huge challenge and opportunity because I take giving advice very serious and I got to make sure that I get to know the person and I give them advice that they can implement, not that I can implement. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm just always I'm always looking to meet new and exciting people, and and I just love connecting people. When a, when a, when a business owner has a challenge, if I can't help them, then there's people in my world that can help them. I like making the connections and helping people, and just staying busy, continuing to learn. Um, I'm doing a lot of work and research now on how to ask better questions. So when you're whether it's a sales role or or a leadership role. You know the power of questions. So I'm 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 doing a video course right now on getting better at asking questions. And what's interesting, Emma, is the the older that I get, like the more I realize how little I know. Right? It's really interesting, right? Like I've got a lot of experience, been yeah. doing this for a long time, but the older I get, the less I realize I know, which challenges me to continue to learn. So exactly. podcasts, YouTube, reading books. Just, just trying to expand my knowledge and just try to help wherever I can. That is wonderful. I love it. Well, it was a pleasure speaking with you today and what a great podcast and great insight. And I hope all of the listeners will take something out of it. I'm sure because I already did. <laughs> so where, um, where people can connect with you? How can we get the hold of you? Yeah, so emails, emails the easiest. You know, my email, Barry at saltsmaneg.com. Okay. My website is saltsmaneg.com. So anyone that wants or LinkedIn, if someone, you know, hears this podcast and they just want to connect with me, connect with me on LinkedIn, reference that, you know, you heard me on the podcast. I'm always willing to get on the phone. I'm always willing to talk to people. I'm always willing to listen and try to offer some advice. So real easy. LinkedIn, email or just come visit the website. Fabulous. I will add all of this into the description of the podcast so people will know how to connect with you as well if they see the episode or when they're listening to the episode because they will see it in the description. So, But thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking with you, Barry, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Emma. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Yeah, bye. Bye Bye-bye.